sometimes you, uh, when you're preparing a message, you don't really know how God's going to prepare uh, for that message to be uh, preached. And uh, it was interesting that uh, um, as they uh, sung this special on Amazing Grace, it's, um, it's really the title of my message is Gripped by Grace to Run the Race. <laughs> Have you been gripped by grace? Because it's amazing. And it's that grace that uh, Paul says he's been so gripped by uh, that uh, to run the race. And when you run a race, um, I've noticed that uh, I'm not a real runner. I don't like running. But uh, um, when you run a race, uh, it can be tiring. And Paul, in his description of our Christian life, once we're saved... He describes your Christian life and my Christian life as a race. And so uh, we want to think about that theme and how does that relate to how we live the Christian life. Because if you, you know, there's a lot of people who, you know, they think about a race, they want to take a shortcut. And Paul says there are no shortcuts. Um, in fact, if you take shortcuts in the Christian life, you find that, that those shortcuts really aren't short. You know, it's kind of like the shortcut that... You ended up saying, boy, I wish I'd never made that turn. Um, I've done that before on those uh, shortcut type of things. But Paul describes his Christian life as a race, and he does that in a couple of ways. And so we're going to look at that this morning because he's just told us that, you know, the, the, the purpose of the Christian life is to know Christ and to know him. And he's, remember, he, he says, I want to know him. I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. I want to be made conformable to his death. And then in verse 12, he, he tells us something that I think sometimes we forget. Uh, and this is Paul. This is Paul's testimony about his Christian life. This is, you might say, this is kind of like if you were reading his testimony. This is his, he's writing out for the Philippians. This is, this is what he's sharing with them. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature or perfect think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. And may the Lord add his blessing on his word here as uh, we, we just uh, focus a little bit this morning on these, uh, these words from uh, Philippians chapter 3. And uh, let's pray. Father, uh, you know our hearts and you know, Father, the struggles that each of us go through in our Christian life. Uh, Lord, uh, uh, you know the, the needs that uh, we have as a congregation. You know the needs that we have individually as families. Uh, Lord, you know... Uh, the things that we struggle with in our Christian life, and sometimes they're seemingly overwhelming, at, uh, and sometimes they, they seem to, uh, to be more than we can handle. But, Lord, you, you're always faithful. And uh, as Paul shares his, uh, his testimony, Lord, of, of uh, running the race, uh, Lord, he, he tells us what uh, uh, was going on in his thinking as he uh, he realized that uh, you had done a work in his life and that he was in this race, uh, that uh, grace had gripped him and uh, he was running 
and that he was fighting the good fight and he was running the race. We ask that you would minister to each of our hearts this morning, Lord, you know what we need, and may you work that, accomplish that purpose out in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you know, sanctification is uh, once a person's saved, they, God begins to do a work we call sanctification. It's a progressive thing. It's a thing that uh, it's, it's called Christian growth, if you will. Paul describes his Christian life and ministry, and he uses the race analogy. In 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I run in such a way as to obtain the prize. So, you know, Paul's in a race. Um, he's, uh, he's thinking about it. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, at the end of his life, before he died, he says, I fought the good fight. I've finished. He says, I've finished. I've, I've, I've kept the faith. I've finished the race. So he, he, he's, he views his whole Christian life in, a, in this idea of a race. Hebrews 12 even, it says, you know, that laying aside, you know, the weights and the sins that easily beset us, he said, let us run with patience the race. So uh, we have it from a lot of different angles, but the, the, but the Christian life could be described as a race. And um, I've got a couple of my grandchildren that are doing track this year, and one of them is running a mile. He's run his first mile ever. And I could tell that he, uh, he's learning how to run because running a race, he didn't realize it was going to be so exhausting. And, uh, and that you had a, a lot of perseverance to get around that track. Uh, I think he had to go around the track four times, I think it was. It was uh, three or four times. And, uh, and I could tell, but at the end, he just gave it all he got just to, get, just to finish. Uh, he wasn't in first place, but it's the first race he had ever run. And I, th I, was, I was proud of him. He was in sixth grade. And I thought, wow, you know, I, I couldn't even do that. I couldn't run a mile. But, uh, you know, there's always people wanting a shortcut. You ever notice that? You, you know, uh, in the Christian life. Was there a shortcut in the Christian life? Is there a no way that I can, I can get in and, and not have to go through all the rigors of getting ready for running a, a, a long race? Well, in 1980, there was a lady named Rosie Ruiz... And uh, she ran in the 84th Boston Marathon. Now, you know, think about a marathon. That's 26 miles. I couldn't even think of it. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't even attempt it. But she had uh, never run before, but she ran that marathon, and she came in uh, first place. She, uh, uh, 26 grueling mi miles, and she was the fastest female. In fact, she, ma she made history because it was the, the best time in the Boston Marathon ever. It was the third fastest time uh, that, uh, in the world of a woman running, uh, woman running the marathon. Uh, it was so remarkable that everyone began to question, uh, you know, uh, how, did, how did she do it? Because she doesn't look like she, you know, she, she wasn't sweaty. Her, you know, she wasn't, she didn't seem all that uh, exhausted and everything. Well, eight days later, they found out that uh, she had jumped into the course about a half a mile before the, the course ended. And, uh, but, uh, and uh, that she had, uh, you know, she, in other words, she cut in and she, and she took the prize. And for eight days, everybody thought, wow, this, is, this woman is something, she's spectacular. I mean, we want to know more about her. And the more they found out about her, the more they realized that she's not, she didn't really win the race. Because no one could, could even, no one saw her on the whole race, you know, the whole time. Except that last half mile. <laughs> But, you know, that's the way I think a lot of people think that there's shortcuts in a Christian life, right? 
And there are no shortcuts. Paul, think about it. Paul has been starting churches. He's been, he's been out. Uh, he's been teaching uh, the Philippian church. He's been in prison. He's been shipwrecked. Uh, I mean, he's gone through the rigors of living out his Christian life. And Paul tells us right in this passage, I have not attained perfection. I've not finished the race. The idea there is now I, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. So Paul's saying, I've not gotten there yet. But Paul, you've started churches. You've been preaching. You, you, you've, you're on your third missionary journey. You're in prison. What more can you do? What more is it? And Paul's saying, but I've not finished the race. I've not finished my Christian life. You know, and I thought, well, you know, when I would get, to, I, I mean, I, I've always been told, you want to get to be retired. You want to get to retirement. Kenny's shaking his head. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and, and that, boy, and, and those are the golden years. I mean, you know, it's, it's all bed of roses once you get there. But the point is, when we get there, we realize life is still, it's not over yet, Right? And there's more to live. There's more to do. And Paul himself, after all that he's been doing, says, look, I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to uh, coast and put my life on cruise control for the rest, for, for, from here on in. He's saying, no, I'm still in the race. If you, as a Christian, regardless of age or regardless of where you're at in your Christian life, you are in this race Grace, so when you're saved, grace has gripped you. In fact, Paul uses this term here. He says, I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. Literally, he's basically saying, God has taken me by the gruff of my neck and he's gripped me and put me in the race. And now I am taking a hold and I'm gripping. I'm, I'm reaching out and I'm going for it. I'm in this race and that grace has gripped me and I'm going for the gold. It's, it's, it's kind of an interesting way he uses it. God's gripped me and I'm gripping Christ. <laughs> and, and so Paul is in this race and he's basically telling the people in Philippi that he's not made it yet. You know, there are people in, I've heard people say this, well, that there's a place in the Christian life where you're perfect. Now, all of the people that have ever claimed that I realized, you know, early on as a Christian, I said, well, I'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> and, and stay away from them. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the point is, is that, that regardless of how much a person says they're perfect, they've gotten there. In other words, they, they, found, they found the secret, the secret of the Christian life. Well, that secret is not perfection. Perfection is when we get there. <laughs> That's when we don't have any more sin, no more trials, no more difficulties, and we have been changed and transformed into the likeness of Christ. But Paul's testimony here is, is important for us because, you know, we still, if you turn the television on and you hear guys, you hear preachers basically say such stuff. You know, Word of Faith movement, for example, or Toronto Blessing or Kansas City Prophets. and those. I mean, they claim a certain amount of perfection. And, you know, there's a lot of people that go for that stuff. And what it's basically saying is that the Christian life is a life of, it's kind of a life of glory. It's not a life of the cross. The theology of the cross is that the Christian life is a race. 
It's tough. There can be, I mean, it's, it's, there's wonderful fellowship with Christ, but there's still struggles. There's still difficulties. There's still trials. And Paul's basically saying, look, I've not arrived. And when Paul says, I've not arrived, I'm going like, well, Paul, I can't think of anybody that's done more than Paul has done. He's written three-fourths of the epistles. <laughs> And you're thinking, you've written Romans, Galatians, First and Second Thessalonians, you've written Titus, uh, you know, you've written, you've written, Paul, you've, you've written more, most of the New Testament here. And you've been preaching, you've been suffering, you're in prison, and you're saying, I haven't arrived. And what does that tell us about my, each of us? We haven't arrived either. There's more, there's more there. And so Paul looks, he's basically sharing his testimony and he shares, I want a very simple outline. Paul prepares to run. Paul actually runs. And then how does he finish the race? So how does Paul prepare? I mean, I, I think it's really, uh, I think the first thing that Paul does here, he says, I mean, he's being honest with him. He's basically saying, I haven't obtained it. I'm not, I'm, I'm just beginning. I'm, in other words, I'm, I'm not already perfect. I press on to make hold or lay hold of it. But he says, I haven't seized that yet. I haven't laid hold of perfection yet. I ha I'm not in the presence of Christ yet. And Paul's, so Paul is being, uh, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the hare and the rabbit, or the hare and the turtle. Hare is the rabbit. <laughs> I always call rabbits rabbits, not hares. Uh, but the point is, is what? That the rabbit basically says, no problem. I'll just sit back and I'll coast in at the end. You know, I'll take, I'll take a nap. He takes the nap. What happens? The turtle just prods along, prods along, prods along. And then he finally, he wakes up and he says, I better really give it. And the turtle's crossing the finish line. But so Paul is basically saying, look, I haven't arrived. I'm, 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 still, I'm still trusting God. I'm still struggling. I still am de I'm still dealing with with life and its struggles and its difficulties and its problems. But he says, but I'm, I'm pressing on. That idea of pressing is actually the word persecute. It's a word for persecution, but it's used in a very positive sense. I'm pressing on. I'm, I'm giving it all I've got. I, I'm really committed to this race. And so there's this serious desire to apprehend or to, or to, or to get there. In other words, he's serious about the race. And he's honest, he's honest about where he's at in his Christian life. And he's saying, look, I'm, I'm still running. I'm still ready. I'm preparing. But in that preparation, he's basically saying, but I haven't gotten there yet. Um, you know, you don't start a race by saying, look, I've already finished. <laughs> you prepare, right? You, you, you basically have practice. You have to, you know... If you think you're going to run a marathon and not practice, what, months, maybe a year before, or maybe even longer, uh, there's no way you're going to ever run that marathon. But Paul is, basically, Paul's prepared. He's basically saying, you know, I've got, a, I've got, a, I've got things that I need to do. The way I look at my life, the way that I, I begin to prepare. Because, you know, there were people that were teaching things like this. For example, it's not about what you do in life. It's just about the way you think about your life. You know, the Gnostics were people that were teaching, basically, it doesn't matter what you do in the flesh, as long as you just trust, you just trust God, you trust in Jesus. Very, that kind of the easy believism. And, uh, in fact, it, they, they would be very comfortable with uh, uh, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You know, you've heard people say that. I've heard people say that. Well, I said, what do you do in Vegas? 
what happened in Vegas stays in Vegas. In other words, basically saying, you know, what happens in the flesh, stay, you know, it, it makes no difference because it's what you believe about Jesus. That's all that matters. They separated because in the Greek mind, the flesh was evil and it wasn't going to, nothing was going to, ever going to happen to the flesh. It's your spirit that goes to heaven. And Paul's saying, no. Every aspect of your life is body, soul, and spirit, right? It's all connected. And Paul doesn't have that, that, uh, that Gnostic view of, 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 of Christianity. He basically has this, this, this focus that truly everything that I do has an effect on the race and how I run the race. He's not, saying, he's not questioning his salvation. He's just saying because I am saved, I'm going to run the race. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm determined, kind of like... Uh, you know, the people that are closest to God, how do they, talk, you know, how, like in the Old Testament, Job, Job had a, saw a vision of God. You know how it affected his life? He wasn't, you know, let me just read his, he says, my eyes see thee and I abhor myself. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? The closer we get to God, the more we realize how sinful and yet how wonderful God accepts us in Christ. Uh, you remember Peter when he saw Jesus' glory and uh, Jesus said, throw the net out and he pulled up all the fish. Now, that's the kind of fishing I want to do, uh, Danny, is, uh, you know, where are the fish? We've been fishing all night. And we didn't catch a thing. Throw the net on the other side. But you don't know anything about fishing, Jesus. Throws the net over there and it gets so many fish, the boats are sinking. And it says Peter fell down on his face and he says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. <laughs> you notice how, how, see, Christian growth is not about becoming so close to God that there's no practical impact on the people around you. In other words, what happened to Peter was he realized that he was sinful, but he realized that Christ is the Lord and Savior and who delivers us from our sins. And so, so uh, the, the, whole, the whole idea of spirituality and spiritual growth is connecting. You know, it's not like, I mean, Paul at the end of his life saying, you know, basically says, I'm the chief of sinners. You're going like, well, but Paul, you have, it's not like you're out going, you're not going, you're not, you know, you're not, you're not running the bars all night. You know, you're not, you know, you're not hanging out with, um, you know, women with ill reputations. Paul's not saying that. He's just saying, but, you know, the more I look at my heart and the closer I get to the Lord, the more I see my sin and the more I marvel at the cross and how big my Jesus is. And that, and that really, you know, if you stop to think about it, growing as a Christian is being able to see more of my sin, to take off my mask, to admit who I am, but also in that process to see how big the cross is. I'm a bigger sinner than I may think I am, but the cross is, I've got a bigger Jesus. The cross crosses that big chasm of my sin. You know, there's, I mean, think about it. Sin is not just what you do outwardly. It's what you think. You know, motive, heart. And Paul's dealing with that here because when you're saving faith deals with the emotion. It deals with the will. It deals with your mind. It's a transformation process that God's doing. So how does Paul run? Well, one thing he does, he says, is one thing I do. Notice that right in verse 13. But one thing I do, <laughs> I do run. And what does he do? He says, well, the one thing that I do 
is the one thing that is necessary and that as I get in the race, I'm running, but he says, I press on. In other words, I'm, I'm pressing on in such a way that I'm... Notice, notice the words that he uses here. I forget what lies behind and I'm straining forward the idea that he's, he's, he's actually reaching forward to what lies ahead. He, he's, he's wanting to win the race, right? You don't get in the race just kind of like, oh, well, you know, who cares whether I run it one or not. Paul's, Paul's basically saying the one thing that I do, the one thing that's important is that I'm, I'm, I'm seeking to grip more and more of God's grace. Second uh, Peter 3.18 Grow in what? The grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can never get enough grace. If you're gripped by grace, you want more grace. That's a kind of a violent term. I want to attain. God's laid hold of me. It seized me. I want to seize more of God. You're going like, wow. That's kind of a, that's, that's kind of a, a person who's really kind of like one-minded. I mean, I, that's all he talks about. If you were around Paul, you'd be talking about Jesus a lot. <laughs> he, was pretty, he was pretty impressed, overwhelmed at God's grace. Um, the idea of seizing would be like, uh, remember the, uh, the paralytic man? Um, he was gripped with one thing. He wanted to be healed. So what does his friends do? His four friends, they carry him to the house. What happens? They can't get in to see Jesus. What do they do? They rip the roof off the house and lower him down. That's being, hey, you're serious, aren't you, about getting healed? Yeah, I ripped the roof off the house to get healed. Hey, I'm, I'm serious about grace. <laughs> or, or, or think about the woman who had the issue of blood. She said, if I could just touch his garment. And she's, this crowd is just flocking Jesus. She can't get to him. But she's, any way she can, she's, she's reaching out and she touches the garment. And what happens? She feels she's healed. She's gripped by grace. And because she's gripped by, by, the, by the goodness and the love and the forgiveness of Christ, she, she's, she's, she's irre, it's irresistible. She, she has to get to Jesus some way or other. It's just that determination that Paul, Paul himself has as he's running. And, and, and as he's running, he says, but not only that, he says, I, don't, I just forget the past. Paul's not sitting there bragging about all the stuff he did. He, I forget what lies behind. I'm pressing on toward the goal, but he says, I'm forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to lies, what lies ahead. He's basically saying, look, I'm not going to focus on the past. Yes, there's been a lot accomplished, and I'm going to give God all the credit, but he says, I'm going to focus on the present and the future. You know, as a church, you know, the older, as we get older, what, what do we tend to do? Boy, those good old days. Man, I just remember the good old days. And we just forget that, yeah, those are the good old days, but guess what? You live now in the present. And what does that mean? You're closer to Jesus now than you've ever been. I don't know how many years God's going to give me, but I'm closer. Now, you know, 50, 60, almost 70 years have passed. <laughs> Thinking like, okay, how old am I? Uh, and, you know, I've, there's more water over the dam than, you know, than I have left. But yet I'm closer. I'm closer to Jesus now. 
I'm closer to the day that I'm going to meet him. I'm closer to that day when I'm going to put, this mortal will put on what? Immortality. And I'm like, I can't wait. <laughs> no wonder I should be praying, Jesus, come quickly. <laughs> don't, you, don't you find yourselves doing that? Jesus, come quickly. Can't wait. I don't know why. I know it's going to be great. I'm just going to be, but Paul says, I forget what lies behind and I'm reaching forward. On August 7th, 1954, in Vancouver, Canada. Now, this was, uh, one, I was one year old. I don't remember this. But there was, uh, the world was watching because there were two Englishmen, Roger Bannister and John Landy, and they, would, they were running because everyone thought they would break the four-minute mile. And so they began running. And they were, in the, both of them were neck and neck. And they're going around the track, and they're on their last their last leg of the, of the race. And they're neck and neck, but Landy's making a little bit of a, he's almost there. He's, he's going he's gonna to win the race. He's, he just pushes ahead just a little bit of banister. And the crowd start yelling and screaming, and it's so loud he can't hear banister behind him. And he does the one fatal thing he's not supposed to do when you run. He looked behind just that one second, and Bannister passed him five yards. He won by five yards. <laughs> he just looked back. Paul says, forgetting what lies behind, I'm focused on the finish line. I'm going to give it all I have because I'm close to the finish line. See, he's not saving, you know, uh, you know, he's not talking about, okay, I have to have a, you know, I just have to forget everything. No, we give thanks for what God has done in our lives. But at the same time, we always look forward, look at where God has us right now. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things I've noticed um, in doing some counseling, and done counseling a lot when I was pastoring full time, but doing counseling was, it, I, I noticed that a lot of counseling that people will come to me with counseling issues, and they're just constantly focused on the past. And it's a struggle to get them to focus. They, they just, it's like they're, they're Christian archaeologists. Well, I've just got to dig up this. There has to be a fact in my life that's, that's made my life the way it is now. And so they're there trying to dig up the past. And I'm not saying that that's, not ne that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's so focused on the past that they can't live in the present. They can't, you know, if, you know and I, I've heard people say that I, if, I could just, if I could just get over the past, if I could just get over the hump, if I could just get over that event and why that happened, I would be okay, and it's not okay. You know, one of the, there's, there's three songs in this book written by a man named Henry Light. The first one is on page, page one. You know what, that, that, praise my soul, the king of heaven. It was written by Henry Light. He wrote that hymn, and it's interesting how what, Henry Light was, uh, he had a terrible childhood. When he was, uh, when he was, uh, he was just a child when his mom and dad separated. And um, his uh, dad sent him off to boarding school. And, uh, and then when his dad would write him letters, he would sign it, your uncle. He would not allow Henry Light to call him daddy ever again. And yet, as you read his hymns, this hymn, uh, second line of this hymn talks about the father. If you read uh, 
Jesus, I, my cross have taken, all to leave and follow thee. He wrote that. And if you had all the lines there, it doesn't have it in this. It only has three stanzas, but it talks about the Father. And then, uh, be still my soul. It's about the Father. What does that tell you about the gospel? The gospel allows us to deconstruct those past events, and it reconstructs us and transforms us into the image of Christ so that we can, even, even, the, 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 even what it means to be a father, the gospel teaches us that. We don't have to be left in the past. We don't have to be left to say, you know, I just, if I could just get over it, I can move forward. No, you can move forward now because of Jesus. That, that, that's what Paul's saying here. He's not, he, this is very practical. The gospel frees us to live in the present, to run the race now. And, you know, and, and, you know, and, and even when we're struggling and we're going through trials, you know, we always can lift up our eyes and see our redemption draws nigh. It's closer. It's closer, it's closer, it's closer. And how does he finish? Notice how he finishes it. He doesn't just stop there. Notice how he says, and I'm stretching forward. Notice that. Let, uh, verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, I, it's kind of like the last, you know, when you go around, you know, you're going around the track. And I noticed my grandson doing this. But on that last, that halfway through that last lap, he gave it all he got. I said, Tristan, give it all you got. And, he, and I could tell he just pulled, he was, <laughs> and I would have been like falling on my face at that point, but he gave it all he got just to that lap because he was in his half, that half last lap. Um, like I said, he didn't finish first, but I was so proud of him. He finished. He finished. Paul says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. But he said that as he was getting ready to die in 2 Timothy 4. And now there's laid up for me, what? A crown of righteousness, which the Lord will not only give to me, but to everyone that, what? Loves his appearing, finishes the race. In other words, we don't abandon our faith. We don't abandon our, our Christian faith. We don't, we don't give up and say, well, you know, if Jesus needs to come through for me. No, he has come through for me. He died for me. But, he, but Paul is saying, I'm stretching every nerve. I'm giving it all I've got. You know, the, you know, the Christian life is, you know, there's, there's more ahead. In fact, what's at the finish line? You ever thought about who's at the finish line? Remember uh, Hebrews chapter 12, what's it say? He says, therefore, you're being surrounded by what? A cloud of witnesses. Now, they're not sitting there in the, the seats looking at you run as much as they give, they're giving testimony to the fact that they ran. And it was a hard-fought race, difficult at times, but guess what? God's faithful. He says, and he says, what? Therefore, being surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, he says, what? Lay aside every weight and every sin that besets you, looking away unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He ran the race, but he ran it perfectly for us. Isn't that great? Lord, I, I fail so many times. Do you feel like that? You know, boy, Lord, I'm, 
can you wipe wipe this day off the off my record today? I just uh, you know I just really haven't done you know no. That's not the way God looks at us. He looks at us as His children. You know, adoption means I call Him Daddy. He understands, and He enables me to finish the race. What Paul basically says about finishing is he tells us this in verse 15. Let those of us who are, that word there, by the way, is the same word he uses about perfect. Those who are perfect. He uses a word in two different ways. In the first part of the section, he's using perfect as sinless. I've not arrived. But here he uses it in terms of maturity. Those of us who are mature. Notice how he says, those who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. In other words, the Holy Spirit's going to reveal that to you. Only let us, and that word hold true, is keep in step to what we have attained. And it uses it in Galatians, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. God says, in other words, don't go, don't go and find some fancy philosophy and new, kind of new fad Christianity Stick with what you know about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. In other words, 90% of our faith we know for certain, right? And he says, to where you've attained, continue to do it. Don't stop. Don't say, well, you know, I've been serving the Lord all this time and, you know, and I, I know, and I, I've, uh, but, you know, I just don't know. Am I ah, post, or pre? You know, I still say it depends on the day. Tomorrow I might be pre. On my good days, I might be posed. Although that, not so often. Maybe ah. But I mean, but, but, you know, but I don't, those are not the things I know for sure. The things I know for sure are the things that I want to hold on to. And Paul says, that's how I finish. I, I finish the race. I don't give up on what I know about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and how a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ and how they grow. Paul says, I keep in step with the Spirit. I keep in step with what I know about God. Wow, it is snowing out there. Oh, sorry. Distracted you. See, Paul is saying, Paul's using a pun here. He's using perfect in two different ways. I've not not arrived. I'm not perfect. But guess what? But mature people think this way. And he says, I'm not going to put any monkeys on anybody's back. Guess what? God will show you. If you really look to him, he'll tell you. He'll teach you. He'll, he'll teach you these truths about the Christian life. You know, some people say, boy, I, when I started off in the Christian life, boy, people were telling me, well, you know, if you just get, you know, if you just let go and let God do everything, well, you know, boy, your Christian life will just, it'll just flow. You'll be, you know, you'll, you'll be rich, famous, and successful. Now, after you live the Christian life, what do you think? Nah, that's not the way Christian life is lived. Or else, if that is the case, the people that I know are the people like, that have struggled through. And they've trusted Christ in the midst of difficulty and struggles and trials and, and all these different things. And, and, but Paul is not living off that. He's trusting God for the future. You are closer and I am closer to Jesus and his return more now than ever before. That's exciting. You know, the people that you think have all the power, you know, we, well, you know, what's Putin going to do and what's our president going to do, or if anything, you know, and what's, you know, what's this person going to do? And, well, you know, these people have all the power. Guess what? 
they're not the one making those decisions. It's God. God sets up and God takes down. God sets up and God takes down. Christ is in control. And all that God asks us to do is just live the Christian life, to trust him daily. And you say, well, but that's, that's just so small. That's just so, you know, just, that doesn't seem to be enough. Paul says it's enough, right? Believing and living the gospel out daily is enough. You know, that wedding feast, it's not, not the food that's going to taste so good at the wedding feast. It's going to taste good, by the way. And it's not the streets of gold that don't have any potholes. And no thieves to steal the gold. That's not what's going to be great about heaven. And it's not even the mansions over the hilltop. You know what it is? It's Paul's one thing is, I want to know more of Christ. I'm going to see him face to face. That's the exciting thing. I'm going to actually see my Savior, and he's going to have handprints. He's going to have the nail prints in his hands and in his, in his feet, and, and he's going to point to his side, and he's saying, I loved you so much. I can't wait to see you. I'm so glad you're here at the wedding feast, and you have the wedding garment on. That means putting all your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what's waiting us. And Paul says, I can't wait. You know, you and I are in the Christian Olympics, right? We're in the Christian Olympics. And that race is greater than any other race that you could ever run in. And the reason you're in that, if you're a Christian, you're in that by God's grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved what? A wretch like me. I'm there because I'm a wretch. And God justifies ungodly wretches like me. Not there because I deserve to be there. Not there because I'm such a bright person. Not there because, you know, of uh, I deserve it. I'm there because God's unmerited favor. He just decided to love me. And I don't understand it. I'll never understand it, but guess what? I'm going to be delighted to be in his presence. See, grace grips you to run the race. You're in the race because God's grace has gripped your heart. If you're a believer, God's grace, it's kind of when it, when it gets a hold of you, it's not that it produces, Paul's not just, he's not all mushy here, but he's saying, I'm, I am pressing on. I am, can you imagine it? Right at the end of the race, what does the runner do? He sprints, but there's something else he does, isn't it? He reached. They teach you to reach. What? Because that, that's important because it's what, what's over the line that's important. So you're stretching. And, and if you can get there, if you could stretch just a little bit more, you're, you're there. And Paul's, that's, why, that's Paul's view of the Christian life. And he's saying, look, it's all being done with eyes upon Jesus. So may we run the race knowing that we're closer today than ever before. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the beauty of being a part of the work that you have begun, you are continuing, and that you will complete in the day of Christ. And for this, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.